Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. I hope you're all doing well and this week the subject is employee engagement. Well, not just purely employee engagement because that's been around for donkey's years. Really what I want to talk about is what's the impact of remote working or a virtual world on employee engagement and actually is it even still a relevant topic? And this is something that I've been really quite curious about because Some years ago, I was involved in the early 2000s in my role at Siemens. We brought in one of the earliest employee engagement surveys, certainly in our business. And so it was probably about 20 years ago and we paid Gallup a lot of money and we were their smallest customer for this particular survey. And that was when I first started um, learning about employee engagement. Since then, I think it's possibly become a little bit of a buzzword Um, Sometimes you might say, is it really anything different from work involvement or commitment or motivation? Is it just a sort of well-badged piece? Obviously, there's surveys everywhere. And you can see that people might say that, you know, almost like having the survey, is is that doing engagement? So I've kind of, I'd say, open-minded with a healthy bit of scepticism about whether engagement really is a thing or not. So what I wanted to do was to explore what's new in employee engagement and uh, is there anything new to know about? And also, what's the impact been on employee engagement uh, based on recent changes that we've all been through, haven't we, and are going through still? So um, that's the purpose of the topic. I was grateful as ever um, for people who joined us. We went in and had an open room chat on Clubhouse. So it's one of the first times I did that. Um, very grateful to Afer and Brian and a couple of other people who were really, really helpful who joined that chat. And it was really in- engaging and interesting conversation and very generous sharing their knowledge. Also, I ran a recent webinar on this and a lady called Brenda sent me over a report from PECON, which is really interesting on the the way in which survey data from their tool had changed over the course of the pandemic. And I'll share some of that with you later. Um, And a range of other routes in which I've been talking to people about what this means and what they really think engagement is. So here's a whistle stop tour through what I could find out. Oh, sorry. And I didn't mention the good old CIPD. I mean, quite often CIPD gets a bit of a hard hard rap, doesn't it? But as ever, I went Googling it and realised that they'd done some research. Good old Johnny Gifford at the CIPD had done a bunch of research on you know, the evidence behind employee engagement. So some of that is woven into what I'm going to talk to you about. So I suppose in a nutshell, what I really wanted to cover is, you know, what do we mean by employee engagement? Is it still the same thing? What do we think the impact of virtual working may or may not be on employee engagement? How does it link to well-being? Um, what's the relationship between that and performance and linking it into remote management? So first of all, what would you define as employee engagement? Now, 
there's quite a few definitions and I think that's one of the reasons it's become a buzzword and I think sometimes it's talked about as an outcome so you have a, a, something you can put a number on sometimes it's a process engaging people so that's one of the tricky aspects to it but when I looked at the CIPD work they talked about a couple of definitions really they said you've got your personal role engagement which is our extent to which we are emotionally cognitively and physically connected to our work and then the other way of defining it, so similar but subtly different, is work engagement, where you've got vigour towards your work, dedication and absorption in work activity. So I think of that as almost being um, in the flow. So that's kind of really wanting to do the job you're in, maybe feeling like a good fit to, to the role that you're in. And then the other classic definition is the Gallup definition, which they used to talk about it as a willingness to go the extra mile for the company. And that's your, your commitment, really, your connection with the company and prepared to put yourself out to go there. So that's the way in which we're going to be looking at engagement, I guess, for the purpose of this. And the reason I looked at it in this way, rather than engaging people, which is something you can do, I'm talking about it in the classic way of what employee engagement, where we have surveys and measuring, and also where there are apparent correlations, although some might challenge these, around between if you do score this level of engagement between productivity, performance, um, customer satisfaction, those type of things, which can then also link with business outcomes like profitability, etc. Some of those links are challenged in the CIPD work, uh, but certainly most people would say that engagement is a good thing. If we feel committed to the company, we're more satisfied, um, we've got vigour towards our work. For me, this feels like this is going to be linked to our well-being. And therefore, it's, it's a useful one to explore because many businesses are really concerned about people's well-being at the moment, rightly so. So does that mean we're going to have a drop in engagement? Well, the interesting thing was on the webinar that I ran and we had over 150 people there, I asked them how engaged they felt currently on a scale from not at all through to extremely engaged. And it was a four point scale. And Interestingly, it was quite a spread, but basically 30% said that they were extremely engaged, 44% said they were moderately engaged, and 23% thought they were slightly engaged, only 3% not at all. So most of them were moderately engaged, quite a lot, so 70, 70 odd percent moderately extremely engaged. Now, I don't know whether that's because the people who come on a webinar and the webinars I host quite like developing themselves and feel upbeat, therefore are quite engaged anyway. Um, clearly, the audience might be pre-engaged to have attended a webinar, but I thought that was interesting. I also asked them, compared to a year ago, i.e. pre-pandemic, were they less equally or more engaged than that? And Really interesting. Everybody, I asked them what they thought the answer would be, and most people thought that people would say they were less engaged. In reality, 38% said they were equally engaged, 29% said they were more engaged, and 33% said they were less engaged. So it was almost, almost exactly the same, really, as, as quite a similar split in terms of where, where they were relatively. So some people are less engaged, but some people were more engaged. It balances itself out. And it was almost a third overall um, there. So quite interesting, really. Not an obvious drop-off that I would have expected um, to see from that. I mean, you could almost say it's a normal distribution of where you'd expect people to be anyway in terms of things. So curious, actually, because, and certainly the people who attended the webinar, we'd all expected people to be less engaged and 
were quite surprised that actually there was a quite a spread. Now, what does it mean? I said earlier, so engagement, what does it actually link with? Where Gallup and people, as I've said, would make links with pretty much any business factor. Um, and they would make like you to think that it's a causal link, but actually it's just a correlation. The way in which people would be challenging this, if you're looking at it critically, is the fact that it's hard to tell whether engagement drives performance or whether being good at your job drives engagement. So is it the fact you're engaged that you perform or is it the fact that you're a good performer that you feel engaged? So we don't really know which of those actually is, whether it's a causal link or whether they're just a, there's a relationship. But definitely there is a predictor, as a predictor, if we are more engaged, we are going to perform better at our role. So that seems like quite common sense, doesn't it? But it, it really suggests that it is still worth our while thinking about employee engagement, understanding what engages people, because if we understand that, then we are more likely to have people performing in their roles. So it's still important, and I would think even more relevant in these current times. Of course, in that case, what we need to think, well, what actually does drive engagement for us then? So that would be the, the question, really. What are the sort of things that deliver engagement? Well, when I surveyed um, my audience on this one, the top engagement driver that came out up, 70% of respondents selected this as one of the options. The top one was having a supportive manager. So very interesting that the way in which we are managed, the way in which people support us, 70% of people said having a supportive manager makes a massive difference to their engagement. So it's not that's suggesting there that it's not just about the work. It's not just about the job that we were doing. That was really important to people. 61% uh, chose trust, autonomy and empowerment. In a remote environment, this is really important, isn't it? So if you're feeling micromanaged, then that could disengage. If you felt you had trust, autonomous, uh, autonomy and empowerment, then people were more engaged. And then 48% said opportunities to learn and grow. So those were the top three options as to what drove engagement for people. So perhaps if you're listening to this thinking, what can I do about um, engagement in our organisation because it is going to link to their job performance. Check on your managers. Are your managers doing the right things? Have they got the right skills? Are they being supportive still? And it's not just whether they're being supportive. Are they managing people in a way that builds trust? So going back to things we've talked about before, do we have clear objectives? Are we empowered to deliver against them? And then also are people feeling that they're still able to learn and grow? And that is a key point that I'll come back to later um, in this in terms of the impact on being able to learn and grow. Other things that people talked about, and these are all um, aspects that drive engagement from the research that potentially might affect it. Um, do people have clarity of purpose and role and how they align with the job strategy, with the business strategy? Are people getting regular feedback? Do people feel able to meet the demands of the role? Do people feel like they are a fit? So there's lots there's work there around people's, the extent to which they feel they fit with the culture of an organisation and also people's ability to flexibly work. Another really interesting one. So that actually does drive engagement for many people. And then finally, one of the other options is just people's natural self-confidence. Some people are more naturally engaged than others. So those were all the options that we offered um, in our poll that I did the webinar on. And, um, and as I say, the top ones that people chose was a supportive manager, trust autonomy and opportunities to learn and grow. So that gives you some food for thought to what you might need to think about as we consider 
how this might then impact on remote working. Now, the CIPD report that says that essentially engagement is the antithesis of burnout. And I think that's worth us reflecting on in that if people's well-being is declining, then I suspect they are less able to be engaged. If you haven't got, if you don't feel well, if you don't feel energised, then it probably it's harder to be engaged. So that would be the, the challenge there to consider. Um, so we need to manage people's well-being, ensure that they, they that it, as almost a precursor to engagement. I don't think they're the same thing in terms of well-being and engagement, but I think it's quite hard for people to be engaged if they don't have well-being. If people have well-being, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be engaged. That's the way I would see it. That's my common sense interpretation. So I think that um, if, you, if you're not well, you're not going to be engaged. I think if you are well, it doesn't necessarily mean you're engaged. Then you've got to be well managed um, and you've got to have those opportunities for autonomy and you've got to have opportunities for development. So we might have thought that um, and our assumption was that everyone's engagement has gone down because of the well, people perceive that people's well-being has gone down. And I think, as with many of these things, my concern actually is, or I suspect, it may be that some people have got significantly worse, but some people have got better. So again, it probably normalises. So um, a lady called Brenda very kindly shared some research done by um, the survey provider, PECON, and they've done a report on global engagement. They had 10 million uh, users in their app who had evaluated the same questions in January 2020 and then again in July 2020. So they measured those over the six-month period. What would you expect them to have shown? Well, interestingly, their headline is that global engagement scores had increased by 2% between January and July 2020, which is interesting. So actually, there was an overall increase of 2%. And some of the sub areas had actually increased massively. Now, I mean, all of this is quite subjective in certain ways. You can only see the headlines from this data that they shared. But they showed that this increase was made up of a number of people um, feeling one of their questions is people feeling they've got autonomy. So the question was worded, I have the option to work remotely. That's the way the question is worded. And that had gone up by 10%. Now, it is interesting because, of course, these words would have been seen as that is a positive, I'm assuming, to people. But um, so more people were rating that they had the option to work remotely. In PECON terms, that would mean that they are more engaged. I guess the question might be, does that mean we're more engaged necessarily if you're being forced to work remotely? I don't know um, is the honest truth on that one. Um, but flexible working, it does seem is working flexibly is a driver for many people being able to work flexibly in the hours um, and place that people want to. Again, another one which we might be surprised by that they came to is that people rated that they had a positive physical working environment, and that went up by 6%. Now, again, being aware of people who are working at their kitchen tables surrounded by children slightly surprises me um, that people would rate that. Not everybody working remotely is great, but I think on balance, probably more people do feel positive about it. So that was an increase as well. And then um, the question, my company really cares about my well-being, that went up by 5%. So 
good job, I guess. And I guess maybe the companies that are investing in survey technology are bothered about people's well-being. So that probably helps as well. Um, but that's interesting. That's where their scores had come up from. Now, those are really big numbers, aren't they? 10%, 6%, 5%. And I don't know the answer to this because obviously it was just headlines that they shared. They've said that global engagement scores increased by 2%. So that does suggest that a whole load of other numbers went backwards, I suppose. But anyway, those are the ones that went up. And then um, their the only one really that they highlighted in their report that declined was opportunities to learn and grow. So I thought that's useful for us to be aware of. As are people, anecdotally certainly, I've heard people feeling that they are getting fewer opportunities to develop and to learn. Now you definitely can, um, having less, less access to on-the-job learning. So are we, and maybe less of sort of mentoring and interaction. So thinking about how we can enable that remotely. I did a podcast a few weeks ago on mentoring and that was a really popular topic. How can we ensure that people are able to grow remotely? Incidentally, if you're listening to this, we recently launched Actus Academy, so a quick plug, which is just an on-demand um, e-learning, well, e-learning and videos um, and a whole load of resources for remote managers. So it's ideal for organisations that haven't got lots of people, you just want some on-demand learning for people to support them. Um, so you can we'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's Actors Academy. But anyway, the point is here that people need to feel that they are growing professionally and that appears to be declining. And it is an interesting question as we continue to work remotely or perhaps the world isn't necessarily going to back as we thought it used to be. It is an interesting one to, to be aware of as to how people are going to get those access to career development, um, which, which we maybe need to be aware of. So that's that I thought was interesting information. I, it's hard without digging into it to necessarily take this at, group, at um, face value. So global engagement scores increased 2% within the companies that um, were surveyed by this particular source. And some of these areas definitely increased. Um, these questions definitely increased. It would be interesting to know whether that definitely means people were engaged or when you're forced into working remotely, whether um, obviously people have rated that more highly, but I don't know that that means that people are engaged, but it is assuming that we are engaged by that, that that's an engagement driver. Nevertheless, what can we do practically? Because I think that's always down to being practical. I think we've got five key points that I would say are practical applications for us if we want to think about engagement in a remote setting and we do want to think about engagement in a remote setting because it definitely links to performance. So the first one is, I would say, being alert to people's mental state and levels of resilience. That's maybe the challenge as we go through additional lockdowns. We don't know how long, how, you know, we don't know whether we're going to have future lockdowns, don't know if we're going to have summer holidays. So just being alert to people's general levels of resilience. Um, as I know, many organisations are, um, but continue to do this people first approach. Encourage people to carry out renewal activities to reduce the risk of burnout. And by renewal activity, I do mean it's get out in the fresh air. And my, my husband the other day said, oh, I feel really flat. And I said, have you actually been outside this week? And he hasn't really. And even it's been really quite cold when I'm recording this and it's very invigorating. It does make you feel better. Um, and actually he went out for walk the dogs and, and instantly felt better. So it's quite easy for us to get into ruts which are positive or negative. So I think it's about encouraging people to spiral upwards in terms of their positive renewal activities rather than downwards. 
do make sure that the managers are giving people clarity and feedback. Make sure your managers are doing a good job and it's hard for them as well. So have they got the skills? Ensure that they are giving people clarity and feedback without affecting autonomy. So one of the things that sometimes you find, particularly with less skilled managers, is that they abdicate responsibility and then dive back in almost helicopter management and take over. And the problem with that, that's the opposite, the opposite of empowerment, really. So they let people get on with it, but then suddenly think things are not being done the way they want them to and dive in. And that actually is really, really harmful. So make sure managers really understand how to empower, how to delegate and to demonstrate trust. Think about whether or not this remote culture, this is my fourth point, might have any impact on people's sense of fit. I only touched on this as one of the earlier engagement points, but it is something about how we feel fit within a culture, how we feel part of a team. Uh, this challenge of onboarding people virtually at the moment because it makes it much harder for them to feel part of a team. If they feel they're struggling, they may really feel that they're struggling at a distance and it may have an impact on people's sense of whether they fit or belong. So that is something there, you know, how can you increase that sense of belonging as much as possible? And my final one is think creatively about people being able to still have opportunities for development and growth and career progression, because that's going to make a difference over the long term. So that's it. That's all that I had to share so far on employee engagement. It strikes me that it is still really relevant. It also struck me that Although um, some of the criticisms of the Gallup questions, you know, of Gallup, um, there are criticisms of these surveys, actually the questions that they were talking about, they've always talked about things like opportunities to learn and grow and having clarity about what's expected and my line manager values me as a person. Those are the sort of questions that they had in their Q12 survey. It does seem that all of these still are engagement related questions. Engagement does drive performance or certainly there's correlation with performance. It's hard to say which is causal, but a bit more sort of common sense here. It's definitely worth us being focused on engagement and well-being as we go forwards. And these are the sort of common sense things that we can do. Think about their mental state, encourage renewal, ensure your remote managers have got the right skills to manage people effectively. Think about whether people feel culturally and have a cultural sense of fit or belonging and also give people opportunities for development and growth. Make sure they feel they've got them. So thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope that was uh, a useful, interesting podcast for you. As ever, if you go to our website, we'll have different resources on this. I've got a set of slides from the webinar that I hosted. I'm also going to do a video version of this, which will be in our Actors Academy, one of our interactive videos. Um, and do you know, get in touch, join our LinkedIn group if you're enjoying the podcast and have a moment to either recommend it to a colleague or um, post a rating on the wherever you listen to it. I'd be really, really appreciative of it because it helps us to be found by new listeners. Thanks again. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode all about engagement and what it means in this world. One of the things I just wanted to leave you with was this whole idea that opportunities to learn and grow is something which is less available to people or they feel it's less available to them at the moment in this remote and hybrid working environment. And I know I mentioned it during the podcast, but I wanted to just direct a few of you to our Actors Academy and just explain what it is. 
Um, so if you are listening and you are a small organisation and you haven't got your own learning management platform, which is what is the case for many, many businesses, um, Actors Academy is just designed to be an almost an off-the-shelf learning management system that you can pick up, access the courses, simple login, and then um, you don't need to carry on with it. So it's not tying you in for the long term. We've got five remote management courses, all about remote management skills, setting objective, managing underperformance, hybrid um, appraisals, etc., and also seven uh, interactive video courses on a range of topics around well-being. Again, objectives all the pain points really that we've found through our experience and research that people are finding challenging. So it's a really, really cost-effective resource. We're quite proud of it. Um, and so if that is something that's worth taking a look, the easiest way for me to direct you is to go to hruprising.com and you'll be able to go and follow the link, which will just tell you a little bit more about it. And you can see if that's something that might be of use to someone in your organisation. It's only £99 for unlimited access to somebody and they can do all of the courses and they can have full access for six months. Uh, if you are an organisation who are a little bit bigger, you would like something in-house, then there's discounts available. So I just want to make it um, a little bit, let people know that that's out there because it's a slightly different offering and we've found that people have really um, responded positively to it and there's a great need. And talking of great need, I think you've heard me mention before, we're still running our virtual people management programs. We've had absolutely amazing feedback from them. We're working, we'll be running open programs again. They will start after Easter. Um, and also we run in-house programs on that topic too. So if you're working out how you're going to take people back into the workplace and you've realised that the line manager's skills in your organisation really do need some polishing up, they're not going to survive with the hybrid working environment for the long term, then one of our programmes might be of use to you and they could be worth taking a look. That's our remote manager programme. So thank you for listening to... Um, the podcast today and thank you for tuning in overall and of course the other thing I wanted to mention was uh, how amazingly proud we were that People Management mentioned us and selected the HR Uprising podcast as one of their top 10 resources for HR professionals. I've got to say I was completely blown away by that, completely surprised they hadn't mentioned it to me and really really grateful so um, thank you to everybody who listens and I don't know whether you said that it was useful or whether it was just potluck but uh, really, uh, it makes it all worthwhile when you feel that what we're doing is actually adding value to people. So uh, thank you for any listeners who are enjoying this. If you are enjoying what we do, please do tell your colleagues, share um, relevant episodes with your staff, uh, with your staff, with your colleagues, with your friends. And um, to connect with me on LinkedIn, let me know if there's other topics that you want me to cover. I'm really keen to keep this as relevant as possible for people. So uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising, proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 